welcome to the World of Birds podcast. I am your host, Kayla Fisk. This is a podcast featuring the great diversity found throughout the bird world, including unique behaviors, adaptions, habitats, and everything in between to help educate others and inspire action to help protect and conserve these amazing species. Today's episode in honor of June 19th being World Albatross Day will be all about albatrosses. This day was created to help raise awareness for this group of unique birds. There are 22 species of albatross found throughout the world. These are large seabirds belonging to the family Diamondidae. This family are ocean nomads and spend almost their whole lives out in the open oceans, only coming to land to breed and raise chicks. They are some of the largest flying birds in the world with species in this group actually having the longest wingspan of any bird, reaching lengths of up to 11 feet. These birds have a large thick bill, and their upper mandible ends in a downward hook. This bill is also made of several horny plates, with what appears to be two tubes along the side. These tubes are actually their nostrils. These tubes serve some very unique and interesting features. One being that they allow the albatross to actually measure the airspeed while they're in flight. Albatross also have three webbed toes and do not possess a hind toe. Adult albatross tend to have a variation of a dark back and dark upper wings with a white underwing and belly. But there's also quite the variation to their plumage. Some, like the southern royal albatross, is almost completely white, while some species like the black-footed albatross and the two sooty albatrosses are almost completely dark brown in color. Because of their long wings, they're excellent at riding the air currents found out in the open oceans. These long, stiff wings also have a thick leading edge to aid in their aerodynamics. This wing shape allows them to use very little energy by using two different techniques called dynamic soaring and slope soaring. Dynamic soaring involves rising into the wind and then descending downward, which forms a loop-like flight pattern. This allows them to stay in the air and gain energy from the vertical wind gradient, and the only energy they actually need to extend in this style is at the top and the bottom of each of these loops. With this flight technique, the albatross can actually travel up to 1,000 kilometers a day, or about 620 miles without even flapping its wings. Slope soaring uses the rising air from large waves to help keep them up and to expend less energy while they are soaring. Another cool adaption that they have, which helps them with their soaring, is that they have a tendon in each shoulder that locks their wings into the extended position, which then helps them soar over drifts, making it so they rarely actually need to flap their wings. Their body has evolved to make use of the oceans and the waves' updrafts. Their wings are perfectly suited to a life in the open oceans. Albatross are so well adapted to this lifestyle that their heartbeat while flying is almost the same as when it is at rest. The activities that actually use the most energy for them are landings, takeoffs, and actively hunting for their food. Albatross can be found in the southern oceans and the northern Pacific but are absent from the North Atlantic Ocean. These seabirds can travel over huge sections of the open oceans and will regularly circle the globe. An interesting thing to note 
is that they also make use of, of weather patterns to travel. Albatrosses in the southern hemisphere that travel north from their nesting grounds will travel clockwise, while those that travel south will fly counterclockwise. A downfall of living life almost entirely on the ocean is that they must find a way to deal with the excess salt being ingested from the salt water and from eating marine invertebrates. To help with this issue, these birds have enlarged nasal glands located at the base of the bill. This gland is present but not active in most other species. While it is not exactly certain how the process works, it is known that they use this to create a 5% saline solution that is excreted in a drip through their nose or forcibly ejected. Those tubes on their beak are the key to expelling the excess salt. Their primary diet includes squid, fish, crustaceans, and krill, but they will also feed on carrion. Different species do show a preference for different prey items though. To get their food, they use a variety of different techniques, including scavenging carrion, grabbing prey close to the surface, and diving to reach prey that is further below the water's surface. Like some vulture species, they actually use their sense of smell to track down food. All albatross are colonial nesters. They can be found, for the most part, on remote oceanic islands. These colonies can either be closely packed, like the black-browed albatross, or widely placed individual nests, like the sooty and gray albatrosses. Albatrosses are also extremely phylopatric, which means that they usually return to their natal colony to breed. A study of some lysan albatrosses actually showed that the average distance between an individual's hatching site and the site where the same bird established its own territory was only about 22 meters or 72 feet apart. Albatross are long-lived birds and have a life expectancy much higher than many other bird species. Because of this, they mature later and tend to have much fewer young. They can actually live to be over 50 years old. A great example of this is Wisdom. She is a Lysan albatross and is at least 70 years old. She was ringed in 1956 as an adult, which makes her the oldest confirmed wild bird and the oldest banded bird in the world. Albatross take much longer to reach maturity, usually at least five years. But for most, they won't actually breed for several years after that. For some species, that could actually mean 10 years. Young birds that haven't reached breeding age still arrive to the breeding colonies every year though. The reason for this is that these birds need to practice and perfect their elaborate breeding rituals and their dances. While the albatross are born knowing what makes up these behaviors and rituals, they do take many years to be able to properly read other albatrosses' behaviors and to respond correctly to perfect their dances. Once a partner is found, a pair is formed, and over time, they continue to perfect their language, and then this dance will become unique to that individual pair. These dances are actually a very important part of their life. The dance of the albatross consists of several different moves, including beak clacking, pointing, calling, and beak circling. This elaborate dance ritual can ensure that each albatross selects the most appropriate partner as egg laying and chick rearing is a huge commitment of both time and energy.
Some species are able to complete a breeding cycle from egg to fledged young in under a year, but generally will skip a year before laying again. But some species, like the wandering albatross, can take over a year to raise a chick when successful. Each albatross will only lay a single egg each season, but if something does happen, like if the egg or chick is lost to predators, the pair will not relay and no more attempts will be made for that year. Once a partner is selected, they generally do stay together for life, unless one does die. Pairs rarely ever divorce. This usually will only happen if there are several years where that pair fails to successfully raise a chick. Different species have different styles of nest construction. Southern albatrosses will create nests for their eggs using grass, soil, and sometimes even feathers, while others can make nothing that really could even be called a nest. Egg and chick care is provided by both parents. Shifts are done where one parent can be in charge of care from anywhere from one day to three week periods. After being laid, it takes anywhere from 70 to 80 days, depending on the species, and it is the longest incubation period of any bird. Albatross are also semi-altricial. They hatch out with their eyes open and completely covered in a dense down. They will stay in their nests while their parents forage and return to them with food. During the three weeks it takes for the chick to grow enough to be able to defend itself and properly thermoregulate, the chick is fed small meals from its parents as they change brooding shifts. After that time, the chick is then left alone for longer periods and will be fed at regular intervals by both parents of squid, krill, fish, and stomach oil. This oil is very energy rich and is created from an organ in the stomach called the ventriculus. As said, albatross do take a very long time to grow and mature even in regards to fledging. The great albatrosses, for example, can take up to 280 days to fledge. That's a lot longer than your average songbird, which can be 20-ish days. Once they fledge, they receive no additional care or help from their parents. Unfortunately, all of the 22 species of albatross are listed in some form of concern. Three of these are listed as critically endangered, Five are endangered, seven are near threatened, and seven are listed as vulnerable. One of the greatest current threats to albatross is commercial longline fishing. Them and other seabirds are attracted to the bait on the lines. They then become hooked and then drown. It is estimated that approximately 100,000 albatross are killed by longline fishing a year. Unfortunately, that's not the only threat these great birds face. Species such as rats, mice, and frail cats have been introduced to the islands in which they breed. These invasive species will then attack and eat their chicks, sometimes directly eating the adults alive as they brood. Plastic and other waste is also proving a huge threat to these birds. Waste from offshore dumping, discards by ships, litter on beaches, and waste washed to sea from rivers have been steadily and alarmingly growing. This waste ends up being eaten by seabirds and other wildlife, and since it is undigestible, it can cause obstructions in these birds, 
causing them to lose weight and eventually starve. This plastic waste also gets fed to the chicks, which causes the chicks to feel full and reduce their food intake, and then lessens their chance of survival. Luckily, organizations are working with both fishermen and several countries' governments to find solutions to these threats that albatross and other seabirds are facing. Several strategies have been created by these organizations for fishermen to help reduce the chance of these birds being hooked, like setting the lines at night and using bird scarers. There is also advice being worked on that is an underwater setting for longliners that sets the fishing line below the water enough to be out of reach of albatrosses. To combat the invasive predators, conservationists have been working on projects to help remove these species to halt the rate at which the young are being lost. An important step that has been taken towards protecting albatrosses and other seabirds is the formation of the Agreement on the Conservation of Albatrosses and Petrels, which was created in 2004 and consists of 13 different countries. This treaty requires each of these countries to take specific actions to reduce bycatch, pollution, and to remove introduced species from the islands where these birds nest. This organization has been the leader in advocacy and efforts to try and save albatrosses and petrels from threats on several fronts. But one of the best things that we can do as individuals for these amazing nomadic seabirds, make sure the seafood you eat is sustainably caught. The Marine Stewardship Council and the Monterey Bay Aquarium Seafood Watch List can tell you which seafood is caught sustainably, including information on fishery management and bycatch-free fishing. Making sure that if you do use plastics, to make sure it is reusable, and if not, then make sure it is properly recycled. The less plastic that goes into the landfills, the better. Also, supporting and donating to organizations such as the Agreement on the Conservation of Albatross and Petrels is a great way to help not only albatross, but other seabirds as well. And with that, I wrap up this little episode about albatrosses, and I hope you enjoyed it and learned a few things about these amazing seabirds. If you did enjoy this episode, please feel free to share it, leave a review, or follow this podcast on your favorite listening platform. And as always, you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Kayla Fisk Birds. Thanks for listening, all you lovely bird nerds, and have a great day. Beep, <laughs> beep,